Welcome to a new episode of the Film at Lincoln Center podcast. This week, we're excited to present a conversation with director Baz DeVos and actress Leo Gong to discuss the NYFF 61 main slate selection here, opening at Film at Lincoln Center on February 9th. Get tickets at filmlink.org slash here. Stefan, a migrant construction worker living in Brussels, is planning a trip home to his mother in Romania. In preparing for his voyage, he reconnects with local family members over gifted bowls of homemade soup, interacts with strangers, and discovers a revivifying commune with nature. This all leads him to an unexpected connection with a Chinese-Belgian biologist who's studying the local moss. The gradual cultivation of this friendship, beautifully performed by actors Stefan Gotha and Leo Gang, motivates this hushed, emotionally resonant film about the power of observation, of people often deemed socially invisible, and of the larger green world surrounding us. In his lovely and tranquil fourth feature, Belgian filmmaker Baz de Vos has created a work that finds transcendence in the simplest human encounters and the most radiant of cinematic gestures. Here is the winner of the Best Film Prize in the Berlin International Film Festival's Encounters competition. From February 13th through the 15th, Film at Lincoln Center is pleased to present a selection of films handpicked by filmmaker Lulu Wang that influenced her new prime video series, Expats, featuring the director in person on February 15th for a Q&A following the feature-length Expats episode, Central and an introduction to her 2019 hit feature, The Farewell. View the full schedule and get tickets at filmlink.org W-A-N-G. Now please enjoy the conversation with here director Baz DeVos and actress Leo Gong, moderated by NYFF artistic director Dennis Lim. Thank you, both of you, for being with us. Um, I think there are many ways into a film like this, but I thought I would start by asking you to talk about um, Moss. <laughs> and at what point um, that became part of the film, because I, I think it's a film about, you could call it a film about urban space or a film about the natural world or a film about outsiders and immigrants, but eventually Moss becomes the focus. It's my favorite subject. No, um, how I personally got to Moss is uh, is a little bit lost in my memory, because I think I have been I had been reading this uh, pretty amazing book by Anna Tsing called The Mushroom at the End of the World, and I think somewhere in there she mentions a book by Robin Wall Kimmerer, Robin Wall Kimmerer, who some of you might know from a book called Braiding Sweetgrass. She also wrote a short, small book on Moss because she's a bryologist. Um, it's called Gathering Moss, and um, what a beautiful title! <laughs> and it's uh, it's a book about moss for non-scientific people like me. Um, and she manages through throughout a very thin book n- not only to make a statement about the beauty of moss and the specificity of moss, but also about its the lessons to be learned. Um, it's a plant that gives a lot back to its environment, takes very little. Um, which she sees as a sort of mentor for how human beings could also live in a different way. Um, and, and so I read this book and I was like, yeah, sure, 
<laughs> this, I, 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 I want to go out. She invited me out, and I and and I thought this is something that film could also maybe do, to to incite people to to look at the world in a different way. Um, so I contacted a, a, a bryologist in Brussels, um, and I got to know a man who was old enough to be my father, <laughs> uh, who took me out for long walks, and and then Leo also met him here at Rijmakers. He was a very sweet and very kind man. And he showed me moss, and and he showed me what was written in in this book. The the fact that in order to see moss, you need to ha you need to do something. You need to stop, and you need to sit down. You need to kneel, and you need to you, you have to bring it close, and you need a, a magnifying lens. And this this action it requires attention, and it, it got me thinking a lot about this very simple thing: attention, attention for the world around us, in a world that is so full of distractions. Um, so I, I saw, I saw uh, immediately I saw a link to film, like uh, that film could be a place where, where, we, where we at least are reminded that attention is a sort of gateway maybe to something like love. It begins with paying attention. Yeah. Can you say a little bit about how you put the other, I guess, narrative elements in place? Uh, I'm curious about um, the focus on a Romanian man and a Chinese woman in Brussels. I mean, in previous work, you've, you've dealt with, um, you know, immigrants in in, in Belgium, um, and yeah, I guess maybe start with that. That the, the the two the two figures. I'm also curious about this. Um, I notice a soup credit. Um, <laughs> I'm also someone made soup. Yeah. yeah. No, and they should be credited, yes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, can you talk a little bit about just the narrative that, that came together? Um, and I, it, it seems the, the sense of place is also really important in, in the film, as it, as it was in your previous film, Ghost Tropic. And, and the night is also a very important element, I think, in this film. That's a lot of questions. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, maybe, maybe let me speak about Leo and Stefan. Like, uh, in general, I, I really like to work with people I... I like and know, and so this film uh, part of part of the origin because there are so many things I think floating around my head when I'm making a film, and it's very hard to pinpoint what what incited me or yeah I don't really know, but I think Stefan was a big part of that. Like I I met him while making uh, Hellhole, which is, was my second film, um, and he played a very tiny part in that film, and then he had a larger part in Ghost Tropic, and I was just like in, I like. I like his, he has such a masculine body and such a feminine presence. And this mix, it, I find it very beautiful. Like I just I find it very touching. I find, I find it touching the way he is. And, and I just thought like, okay, that's an energy I would like to, would like to capture. Uh, yeah. Um, but, but of course he brings a background that I also found interesting. I was thinking a lot about this really macro question of labor migration in, in Europe because it's very specific the way that people can freely work and live wherever they want in, in, in the European Union. But in reality it has it has it creates a large imbalance, like a, a political imbalance in the Union where a lot of people from the East come to work in the West and not vice versa. Um, so I was I was thinking about that and then I found out that there is a huge community of Romanians in Brussels. And to, together with Stefan, I started interviewing uh, people 
living in Brussels, um, some of them who, who regularly travel back to Romania, because in reality, it's like some people work in Brussels, but, but they fly home Friday night and they come back on, on Sunday. So there is a very particular relationship also to, to Brussels and to living in another city for this Romanian community. And in the back of my mind, I always thought like I, I, I somehow, somewhere in the story, I also want to contrast it with someone who, is, who lives here, who is just born and raised here. Um, and I had an, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to find the order in my head and it's, it's way, it's much more messy. Um, but like, I remember writing a scene in the restaurant first and having the idea that there was going to be a bryologist later. And then just thinking like, this should be one person. Because there's something happening in this scene in the restaurant that, that incites something that was new to me. Like, yeah, the genesis of, of a connection, unspoken, unnamed. Um, and then slowly, I think, Leo got involved. Yeah, Leo, who I, I didn't know, but who was a friend, literally, of all my friends. So it was like almost miraculous that we didn't know each other. And now I consider you a friend. So we made up for that. Yeah. Uh, Leo, we were just... Um, I was just talking to you during the screening, and you're not um, an actress. Um, you're, you're an editor, a film editor, and a DJ. <laughs> Um, you're DJing tonight, actually. I don't know if you want to mention that. Bossa Nova Civic Club, 1 a.m. Be there. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about how you... You, you said, you know, in, in some ways you started with, 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 with Stefan. So um, I'm curious how, um, you know, bringing Leo on shaped the role in the film. Was it important to you that this character also be an outsider uh, and I'm curious Leo your you know your collaboration once you came on board yeah so just just the idea that I mean for me like Brussels is it's a city uh, that that is literally and I, and, and I don't know I think maybe this is a place where that also goes except for maybe the, the question of language but it's it's a city of minorities um, it is a city of People from all over the world. It's one of the most diverse cities in the world, which is very strange, but it is. Um, and language is a really big question in Brussels. Like the first question you ask someone always in the street is like, do you understand what I'm saying? Do we speak the same language? And this is very particular to Brussels. Um, and so the idea that, that you make a film about Brussels and that it is a diverse film and that it has many backgrounds, it's just, it totally makes sense. It's logical. Um, but I was, of course, also thinking a lot about this idea of language. And I wanted to find, I knew this, like, this triggered me a lot, and that's why I wrote this scene in the restaurant first. Like, I wanted to have a language in the film that would be the furthest away from Roman languages. And I couldn't think of anything else but Mandarin. Because it's, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't, it doesn't, I don't relate to that language. And, I, and, it, and it, it's, and it's very beautiful. So there is beauty and there is um, mystery and it's distant. So these things all sort of came together. Um, 
Yeah, but I think just the role of Brussels and language is something that has been in, in many of my films and that, that I find inescapable and very beautiful about that specific space also. But I, yeah, I, def I needed you a lot, I think, to shape this character. Um, yeah, at first, when we, when we met uh, the, for the first time, I had no idea I would end up in the film. I thought, um, I read the script and I was like, oh, I have, uh, it's, it's really interesting, but I have also a lot of comments about the, the, the Chinese immigrant character. Um, and then uh, at first, you weren't sure if she would be second generation or like a Chinese student who just arrived uh, in Belgium not so long ago. And then uh, we kind of... Yeah, we wrote the character together and then it was closer to my own experience, which is like uh, my parents immigrated to Belgium in the 80s and I was born there. Um, but yeah, at first I remember I was a bit like, why do you want a Chinese <laughs> character? Am I going to be tokenized? <laughs> Am I going to be, you know, I was a bit suspicious about also questions of representativity because like growing up uh, in, yeah, it's interesting what you say about Brussels being so diverse because like um, I've lived in, in Paris as well and in, in, in Berlin, which is also very diverse, but Belgium is this weird in between other places uh no man's land because like yeah it's a really young country uh which has not a very defined national identity since like different parts of belgium are still struggling to like get along and you know stay as a united country so like for for me and my parents when yeah our our experience as immigrants in in, in belgium i i find it really um, how to say, uh, an interesting place to be in this mix of like a lot of communities and there is not like an idea of universality that is imposed to us of like national, like Belgian identities like this and you have to assimilate this way. There are a lot of different ways to assimilate because the country is still also very undefined in a way like uh, in in those like wastelands in Brussels where you meet by accident it, it, it was really fitting the the plot anyways but um yeah uh, about the the chinese character then we started to work on the on the on the dialogues in chinese and actually i found it so interesting to translate what you had in mind in chinese because it's such a uh, a language with such a different um uh philosophy that uh, I found it actually really interesting that uh, a lot of the lines, your intuitions that you had in English, in, in Dutch, they could layer and they could get, like, for me, uh, deeper because of some Chinese sayings that don't exist in English. Like, for example, in the voiceover, where, when Xu when Xiu just wakes up, um, she uses the word wang wu. I don't know if there are Chinese-speaking people in the audience. Like um, this uh, word in Chinese, it means uh, the ten thousand things, uh, and it's a concept in Taoism that means the whole universe. But it's it's literally the two, the characters mean the ten thousand things in the universe that you can name. And so for this dialogue, I found it super interesting because it's like it touches upon the fact that like Western scientists like who wants to name all the different species of mosses with like Latin names uh, wakes up and she forgets all the names in her like linguistic tools. But like it, it resonates so much with the concept of Wang Wu because Wang Wu is also 
about these 10,000 things being interconnected. Uh, and it's a very holistic like view of the world that I thought was really nice with your intuitions about like environment and moss and everything. And, and another concept that I, I, I found like really nice to think about the encounter of the two characters is the concept of Yuanfen, uh, which is uh, a mix of like fate, serendipity, and coincidence in Chinese. Uh, and it's, 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 it's something that runs really deep in our family. And, and, and yeah, it's how you explain things like encounters in this life that were meant to happen because uh, you had something to do with each other in your past lives. So, yeah, um, anyways, <laughs> all of this, I was like, okay, I can be the Chinese character if I can put this in the film. So, <laughs> um, I was actually going to ask you about that, um, that voiceover because uh, um, we hear her, the character, before we see her. On, and I'm, I'm curious about that, that passage. Um, and... It's for me sort of rhymes with um, the the passage in the when when Stefan visits his sister and he falls asleep too. Um, so I'm curious about you know these sort of dreamlike uh, moments in the film. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the, the voiceover and the reason I think why I wrote the voiceover was because I I think I was thinking a lot about this question of language and, and how language is something that we need in order to have an intimate relationship with the world. I was imagining walking through a forest and knowing the names of every plant that you pass. And I was thinking, yeah, that changes the way you move through a forest. But at the same time, it, it also felt like so such a limit, like so human, like we have to be able to like name it in order to have a relationship with it and and so i think this this voiceover was born a bit out of this like i wanted to to, to question this need of naming um and the way it also separates us from the world it's it's paradoxical it's more intimate than it's separate um but i think in in overall like i i, I like a lot how dream and reality are always somewhat flo floating me making um, yeah film in its in its core in its materiality is dream stuff I find um, and and I also like a lot to, to not think about it in that terms so much like I just like a lot that he that Stefan is walking and 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 he finds some strange green light <laughs> and it might be something real or it might not be and he falls asleep at a table and we see a shot of the forest and this might be his dream but it also might not be and I like I like this I don't I don't know myself whether or not it's a dream and and I think it's something that we don't uh, filmmakers don't allow themselves enough of not knowing um and and the, the dream i had the weirdest dream tonight i, I woke up uh, with a strange dream in my head and i was like that that yeah that's what i want to do with film i want to i want to surpass maybe a little bit the here and now by f by showing the here and now i don't know shit i'm now i'm saying whatever but but it's because b b that's because it's it's hard to articulate but it's 
beautiful stuff. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm going to ask you one more. I have maybe. a jet lag, yeah? No, like, no just you're great. Really, you're great. Um, can, I, was, I did want to come back to the soup because we've had, <laughs> you know, we have, it's just occurred to me because we've, we've had several, a couple of other films where everybody's talking about food and, you know, like we had the Fred Wiseman film about the three, star, three Michelin star restaurant and we had the taste of things where they're cooking multi-course meals and, and I'm seeing this film and uh, for me this is like kind of the most profound, like um, the guy cleaning out his fridge and making soup and delivering it is, is really a profound act of care in this film. You know, I'm just wondering if you can talk about like this idea of making soup and delivering it, which is really from the beginning to the end of the film. Yeah, it's like when I when I thought of that, like I was just like now I'm letting you peek into my brain when I write and it's really embarrassing, but that's how it goes. I yeah, I, I sit there and I'm like, okay, so I have to go back to Romania. What do I have to do now? I have to pack my stuff. Okay, what else? Okay, maybe I should turn off like electric equipment. Fridge. I need to turn off the fridge. There's still stuff in the fridge. And then like just this basic idea like, oh, there's stuff in my fridge. I don't want to throw it out. I just thought it was a beautiful thing, like a beautiful gesture. Let's make a pot of soup. And then because I was thinking a lot about saying goodbye without really knowing whether it's a final goodbye. I think it's something that especially in the Romanian community is very alive. Um, going back but not knowing if it's final or not um, that I thought like that yeah, it's it could also just be him cleaning out a fridge but it can also be a way of saying I might never come back uh, and, and I thought it was beautiful and when I was finishing the film I, I caught up with a, an essay by uh, Ursula K. Le Guin that's called The Carrier Back Theory of Fiction and I was like that's my film. That's literally my film. And she says it in way more beautiful words than I could ever say it. She speaks about the act of storing, um, finding, sharing food as what makes us human. Much more than the hero clubbing someone to death. And and, and I was looking for narratives that would oppose this, this hero story. I was sort right. of bored right. and fed up with the hero story. Yeah, no, that, that essay is about like opposing certain modes of narrative. Um, it's funny that, uh, that you bring this up because one filmmaker brought this essay up at the festival last year, and that was Kelly Reichard. Nice. Yeah. I like her. Yeah, um, I think she would like this film too. So I think that's actually... Uh, we are unfortunately out of time, so I think we do have to wrap. I think it's a, a, a lovely moment of uh, synchronicity there. So I want to thank both of you, Leo and Boss. Thank you all. Thank you. Thanks so much.